0: And for some reason, I hadn't I hadn't sang this song in a long time, but I was walking around praying and I started singing, you know, um, Your face is all I see, you know, that one. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. And uh, it was neat to hear it again today. And another great, you know, really neat thing was I was reading the Word and kind of dwelling on what I was going to talk about. And I was reading Ezekiel uh, chapter 20. And over and over again, the Lord says, "For my name's sake, for my name's sake, I will not destroy them uh, <laughs> it' was just, it was just beautiful uh it's a beautiful chapter that speaks of God's mercy, you know uh, the reason he works so hard to preserve his name is because he wants everyone to come to him. You know, he he purchased everyone in this room for his name's sake. And uh we need to remember that. We were purchased for his name, to glorify his name. To magnify his name, not so that he can magnify your name. Not so that <laughs> You can get up on stage and everybody praises you and thinks you're some man of God. Or, you know, that song by Jason Upton. You know, have you all heard that song about pride? And uh, it's so true. Uh, It's so so amazing how the flesh is is prone to pride. And it again and again has to be humbled (laughs) and broken. in order for you to realize that you're not worthy of pride you're not worthy of uh the glory of his name and um i really could not there was nothing as I was praying there was nothing that was like no word specific word that you know was in the scripture no new revelation you know anything like that um that was coming to me and i kept going back and forth well, lord what do you want me to talk about and i kept thinking about things that he'd been showing me you know, over the past couple months. and um, But none of it was really sitting well. I mean, none of it was... They were all good ideas, <laughs> you know, that I could have gone with. Um, but it, it just hit me that... And I don't know, y'all, y'all, y'all might have heard, but I don't know, a lot of you probably haven't heard my testimony. And... um and that's what you know, once I that dropped in there I was like, that's what I need to do, you know. I mean, I just share my testimony. Yes. And um but I will start with a verse um <laughs> that I've been sharing with everybody recently. Ezekiel twenty verse six. But we will we will not start in the middle of the paragraph. <laughs> we'll just start in verse one. Something I've learned. <laughs> the title of the chapter in my Bible is Rebellious Israel. And um Is everybody there?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. In the seventh year, in the fifth month of the tenth day, some of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord. Look at this. Uh, And they sat down in front of me. So these elders of Israel came to inquire of God. Uh, Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Have you come to inquire of me? As surely as I live, I will not let you inquire of me, declares the Sovereign Lord. He does not put up with selfish motives. He will not honor the prayer of a selfish man. He will not honor those who seek to glorify their own name and have their cake and eat it too, so to speak. You can't live and walk in the kingdom of this world and then jump over here and pray for God's blessing. What does the Scripture say? Uh, Now we know that God hears the prayer of a righteous man, um, a man who honors Him and does His will, or something to that effect. Well, what if you're not in His will? Far from the wicked. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, and I'm talking about Christians mm-hmm. who have been born again and filled with God's Spirit even, speaking other tongues, prophesied church and all that, but still want to do their own thing they still have not relinquished control. They still have not submitted to the commander in chief in the army of God. You know? And and they they want to do what they want to do and their prayer is, God bless it. Well the scripture says he doesn't hear that prayer. He hears the prayer of the man who does his will. So it's something to ponder. You know, we think we come into Christianity, and we kind of got a free pass to do whatever we want to do, so to not I'm talking about not talking about sinning, like blatant sin, I'm not talking about lust and you know stealing and lying and all those things. I'm talking about the very subtle sin of selfishness, sometimes it's very subtle, sometimes it's a very deep down in your heart you know this this desire that that wants to surface. We can become very good at hiding selfishness and masking it with holiness and godliness. But um, as you will see here, the Lord is not fooled, as you all know. You can't pretend to be something that you're not. And um, So if you don't walk away with anything today, you need to walk away with the fact that Jesus is Lord, and he's only going to bless and honor those who will lay it all down. Who who are the great ones in the kingdom? The ones who are the best at getting their way? We become masters at getting our way. We become masters at manipulating people, manipulating circumstances, playing on the emotions of others, all because we want to do what we want to do. We want to act the way we want to act and have no consequences for it. And we want to be blessed in all of it by God. <laughs> it does not work that way. And he might cut you a lot, he might give you a lot of rope, but if you continue in that way, it will eventually hang you. It will not save you. You think you're holding on to a rope that's that's going to save you when you fall? But the whole time your selfishness is wrapping a noose around your neck. So that when you do fall, it's to your death and not your salvation. Um, let's keep reading. Uh, we're at 4. Will you judge them? Will you judge them, son of man? Then confront them with the detestable practices of their fathers and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day, I, I like how he says, on the day. <laughs> On the day I chose Israel, I swore with uplifted hand to the descendants of the house of Jacob and revealed myself to them in Egypt. He does the choosing. He does the revealing. And uh, if you want to be used by Him, then you better get in, in His way. You better be walking where He wants to walk. You better be saying what He wants to say because He's not going to use a stubborn stiff necked, disobedient vessel. You will not reveal Jesus Christ to anybody that way. You will not be a blessing to his name, you know. He purchased you, which means he you know, have you ever thought about that, that that term? Purchase? When you go to the store and you purchase food, it then is yours, so to speak, you know, in this world. So then you can go home, you can let it sit in the car if you want and rot. You can take it in the house and put it in the refrigerator. You can put it in the freezer if you want. You can put it in the washer or the dryer if you want. And whatever. I mean, you can do with it what you want because you bought it from the store. The store can't come back and take it from you. Um, the neighbor can't come over and take it from you. you. You can do with it what you want because you purchased it. Well, when you decide that one day that you want God to purchase you as He deals with you and convicts you and shows you that you need to be purchased because that's the only way you'll be saved, well, then you have just decided that you don't that you don't want to own yourself anymore. You've just decided that you don't want to have the deed to your life or the rights to your life anymore. And so, this God of Heaven purchased you, purchases you, and then guess what? The devil can't come and take you. The only thing, you know, I mean, and y'all all know about one saved always saved, and how I don't, I don't believe it. I mean, I know what Eric teaches, but you know, part of that is we, you know, the devil can't come and strong arm God and take you back. You know, once He purchased you, He owns you, and He will keep you. But there is a stipulation. Um, The food can't run away, but you can. When He purchases you, He does not remove your free will. He does not remove your ability to choose. But He does retain the right to do with you whatever He wants. If you truly wanted Him to purchase you, which I assume that all of you did when you came and gave your life to Him, then He can leave you in the car. You know, even when it's hot in there, He can put you on the shelf for years. You know, Uh, He can use you right away and do awesome things through you and... Heal somebody, or he can not you know he could send you to another country if he wants to. you know he could decide that he doesn't want you to be married, and his spirit could impress that on you. you know you were born, you're special, you have a special calling, you know, I don't want you to marry I mean, there were people that that had that calling. it's far and few between, but what I'm getting at is he purchased you. Why? So He can be mean to you? So He can be unfair to you and not not give you the blessings of the kingdom? A lot of times that's our attitude. You know? Things aren't going our way. Things get a little tough. Uh, it gets a little hot in the car where God put us. You know, the air conditioning broke. Uh, you know... The clouds won't cover the sun to help you, and, um, and and what's our first response? Why me? What are you doing to me? You know, basically, I didn't sign up for this. This is not fun. It's not comfortable. You know, um, he purchased you though, so that why? for his name's sake. For his name's sake he purchased you. He purchased you so that he could lead you into all truth. Sometimes it takes a lot of rough stuff before we can get the truth. <laughs> uh sometimes you know, we got to go through valley after valley after valley before we can find the mountaintop and understand, oh, you were trying to tell me that. you know. But the thing is, He knows. He really does know what is best for you. He really does. And so the Scripture can be obeyed. Uh, be joyful always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you will bring honor and glory to his name if you obey that verse? But none of it appeals to the flesh. Not one bit of it. But you can do this. You can obey these words. Why? Because when he purchased you, he gave you the power to obey him. He knows he made you weak. He designed it that way because he's brilliant. He's brilliant. I'm so glad he made me weak because pride is so strong. It's such a deceptive force. Justin Johnson said one time, pride can even consume the bum on the street that has nothing. That's how powerful pride is. That's how deceptive it is. It can even deceive the man who's lying in a hospital bed with every bone in his body broken and his face smashed in burns all over his body. It can even deceive a man like that who has no business being proud about anything. That's that's what you're up against. So the Lord designs you to be weak because He loves you. Not because He delights in disciplining you, you know, and uh, being ugly to you. He made you weak so that you'd be healthy and so that you would depend on Him. And so that you would look to him and realize, hey, I can't do this. I don't want my way. My way is wretched. It always winds up in frustration and confusion. Lord, what do you want? Um, Look at this. This will finish what I'm saying. On the day I chose Israel, I swore with uplifted hand to the descendants of the house of Jacob and revealed myself to them in Egypt. With uplifted hand I said to them, I am the Lord your God. On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of Egypt. On that day I swore to them that I would save them from their sins. That's what he's saying. And where is he going to bring them? Out of Egypt into a land I had searched out for them. Not just some land. Not just, you know, a different place but a place that I had searched out for them. Uh, And this land that He had searched out was not an empty, barren land. He's not looking to lead you into lifelessness. It is a land, into a land I had searched out for, a land flowing with milk and honey. That sounds good to me. The most beautiful of all lands. You know that's where he's trying to take you to the most beautiful of all lands, to the most beautiful of all callings, to the most beautiful fruit you know that's what he would love to produce with your life, the most beautiful fruit you know healthy, vibrant, colorful, various, but he can't do that with where you you know with what he has in the beginning. But that's where He's trying to take you. So when you lose your job, and and you've been nothing but been a blessing to your uh, employer, then why would you get been out of shape about that? You know, because the Lord's leading you to the most beautiful land, to the most beautiful job. You know, y'all understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So so, don't be the Christian that throws a fit every time he doesn't get his way. Because where is the Lord trying to take you? To the most beautiful of all lands. Okay? So next time you enter into a trial, don't begin to scream and squeal like a stuck pig. (laughs) Because that's what the flesh is like. He loves to squeal and scream. And, and somebody come get me out of this mud that I'm in. But remember that the Lord's trying to lead you into the most beautiful of all lands. and Sometimes the only way there is through the desert. In fact, it is the only way there. The only way to the most beautiful of all lands is through the desert. Because we all started out in Egypt. And we got to get the Egypt out of us. Um, that's just a lead-in. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it also, it, it does lead into my testimony. Because we we've already spoken about lordship and being purchased, and you're no longer your own. You know, you no longer have a right to do what you want to do the way you want to do it. The only right you have is to obey and do what He tells you to do. When he tells you to do it. Because that's the only way you'll get to the most beautiful land. Um, I grew up in religion. I grew up with parents that were religious. They never, never impressed the Word of God on me. Never. And my mom had a relationship with the Lord. She prayed, she trusted God for things, and, you know, endured a lot has been through a lot of trials, but she never sat down and spoke to me about Jesus. Um, I highly encourage you not to do that. Because never in the Word of God does He say not to impress His Word upon your children. In fact, He says the most opposite, as Judah quoted to me the other night. I mean, you do it when you're sitting down eating dinner, when you're eating breakfast and lunch, you do it. When you got your kid in the car on the way to school, you do it. When you pick them up from school, you do it while they're playing with their siblings. Every every time, every day of their life, all throughout the day, is an opportunity. There's opportunity after opportunity. When they act ugly to their sibling, is an opportunity for you to impress God's commands on them. Love your neighbor. Do good to those who persecute you. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Flesh does not cancel out flesh. You can't overcome flesh with flesh. All you get is more flesh. And uh, a lot of times, that concept, a lot of times will get into the church. It will get into our relationships. Because it seems right, you know. Somebody does something to you. Well, then the only way to get them to understand that they shouldn't do that to me or act that way is if I do something similar to them and then they'll see how it feels. Scripture doesn't say overcome flesh with flesh. It says, do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by the flesh. But overcome evil or overcome the flesh with what? Good. What, What do you do when somebody yells at you? You yell back and try and yell louder and meaner than they yelled at you? No. What will destroy their fit? A gentle answer. A gentle tongue. You see the concept that God is trying to get our get us to understand? Um Okay. So anyway, I grew up in religion, and um, I grew up in the Baptist church, but I was never really presented with the gospel um, until I got to Parkview, which y'all know is where Eric went to school, and, uh junior high. In junior high, they started to, uh, we had chapel, and we had chapel in sixth grade when I started there, but they didn't really try and... Uh, it was different. Elementary chapel was different. Once you get into junior high, they uh, they ca- they come at you hard because they know that you're very impressionable. And and what time are we done? Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, um. You you they know the thing the thing about religion is a lot of times I'm not going to say everywhere, but I'm talking about religion. Religion excludes the spirit. And exalts the intellect of man, and religion can only be led by the intellect of man. Christianity is spiritual, religion is fleshy, I mean it's of the flesh to appease the flesh but um they they these preachers, and they're raised up in this, some of them love the Lord, but they were taught that you know you need to develop a sermon that can get people saved. You know, you get these very emotional examples, these very convicting scriptures, you know, and you need to make them feel bad so they'll come down front and give their lives to Jesus. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, they had the light funny sermons all through the week, and then they hit you hard on the last day to get get the good numbers. And, uh, I mean, they do. They, 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 they keep them on file, you know. And so, I, being a very impressionable young man, having a very soft heart, you know, the first message I heard like this, I went down front and I prayed the prayer of salvation, you know, because I didn't want to go to hell. And But nothing really happened, you know. I just went back to being the same kid, you know, went to church on Sundays, Tried to make good grades, didn't want to do bad things, but nothing really changed. And then the next time that they gave a real hard message, I felt like I needed to rededicate. You know, I'd go down, rededicate. And this happened several times, going through high school. And uh, well, then uh, you all know, you all heard about Don Babin, uh, the man who wore blue jeans and the t-shirt, said, my gang leader walks on water. Very unorthodox man uh, for the Baptist circles. But they kept calling him back because of the fruit of his ministry. His lives were being changed. They didn't always like the way he acted or looked. But they saw God's hand on him. And so he was invited for the spring spiritual emphasis week, which is when you have chapel every day um, for a week. And they, they used to have it in the fall and the spring. I don't know if they still do anymore. But uh, he he began to share, and he started ruffling feathers pretty quick because he began messing with everybody's security blanket, uh, everybody's pacifier, which was uh, once saved, always saved. And uh, he began kind of, in a very wise and sly way, kind of stepping on that stepping on people's toes. getting I mean, you got people upset because this place was full of people who had prayed the prayer at one time but were doing exactly what they wanted to do the way they wanted to do it. And uh, they always had it in the back of their mind but once saved, always saved. And uh, so when this man began to preach against it in a very sly way, they were getting it. And getting upset and <laughs> I think it was Wednesday uh, he opened it up for question and answer uh, was it Wednesday he opened it up for question and answer because he knew he was causing a ruckus you know and of course Eric has a question he's just bold like that and he stood up and you know pointed I can still see him that the way he points
1: <laughs> are you point saying Are you saying once saved, always saved isn't true? You know,
0: just like that. And the guy said, I know I'll always be saved. How about you? You know. So he answered it, but he didn't answer it. You know, he didn't just come out and say, it's not true. He he was very wise. They would have asked him to leave. You know, he wouldn't have got to finish the week if he had been blatant about it. And I'm glad he did it the way he did it. And uh, so anyway, that day, look at Matthew 7. Lordship is a big part of my testimony. And I emphasize it a lot. Because it's the foundation for the kingdom. If you want to do anything for Jesus, He has to be... The Supreme Lord of your life, he has to be your only reason for getting up in the morning. Your only reason reason for taking your next breath. I mean he has to be your everything. you have to love him more than anything. That's the only way he'll have it. It's the only way you can love your kids with you know with all your heart, so to speak. But you can't love your kids more than Jesus. You can't. You can love your wife with all your heart and serve her and be everything she needs you to be. But the most important thing she needs you to be is sold out to Jesus. Because only then can you really love her the way she needs to be loved. You can't, I mean, you can't love somebody as much as Jesus. I mean, when it's all said and done. And they're standing there, uh, you know, with your wife's throat, the, neck, the knife around their throat, you cannot love her more than Jesus. You can't. Or when they're about to do bad stuff to your children, just announce Him. That's all you got to do. And the whole, well, I'll just announce Him real quick, and then I'll get it fixed after. If you're ashamed of me before men, he'll be ashamed of you when you stand before him, but am I saying not to love these people? I would be lying to i mean I would be false prophet if I told you not to love them because Jesus said, "Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, but you shouldn't even love yourself more than jesus see the you see the order I mean you love people the way you want love people to love you back. But you still can't love yourself more than you love Jesus. In fact, you have to be willing to crucify it every day. You have to be willing to die to self every day in order to love Jesus the way you're supposed to love Him. So Matthew 7. um, 21. Everybody knows it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven But only, it gets very specific in this verbiage, only He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's it. Don't play around with the will of God. Don't think that you can do His will and yours. You can't. And unless you get really serious about serving Him, You're not just going to happen into it. It's not just going to... I mean, God is gracious and He's merciful, but He doesn't say those who skip along will find Me. You know, singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay, you know, those who seek Me will find Me. And not only those who seek Me who find Me, but those who seek Me with all of their hearts will find Me. Now he's gracious and a lot of times you know he comes to us and will select us and deal with us and call us into his service. But I mean after that if you don't seek him like you love him more than anything in the world, the scripture says it's hard for the righteous to be saved. It's not it's not something to be taken lightly, and I'm not trying to bring gloom and doom here and discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you with the word. I mean this should motivate you to get next to Jesus to find out what what do you want from me? I'm yours now. You know, I'll I'll quit my job if you want and go look for another one. I'll uh I'll break up with my girlfriend if you want, or I'll stay with them if you want. I mean I I'll stop being friends with this person. I mean, this is this is not a joke, and anybody who takes it lightly, or thinks that they can just do what they want with their life, and still be— you mean you might make it in. You might, but you'll be buck naked. And and I mean, I don't want to go in that way. Do you? No. I mean, would you like to be in here and get stripped of your clothes? That's shameful, you'll still be a part of the church, but you won't be looked at the same.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what i'm saying i mean and and people will be able to tell what kind of life you lived when you enter into eternity. They won't you know look I don't know, we won't look down on you, I don't think, or the kingdom I don't but it, it, people will be able to tell oh that person saved, but they didn't do anything. And then you got somebody over here who is getting beat on a daily basis because he loves Jesus and because he was obedient. And they're over here getting beat, singing praises to God and thanking him for their circumstances. And and we can't thank him when we have a house and the air conditioner breaks, you know. Or when we might not get to eat a meal or We really we really have to get serious. And the only way you can is to know what he requires of you. If you don't know what he requires of you, you can't walk in it. And so how do you know what he requires you of you? You read it. Read it when you sit down to eat, read it when you go to bed, read it when you wake up, just like you're supposed to do with your children, you should be doing with God. If you're going to be able to do it with your children, you've got to first be able to do it with the Lord and have Him teach you. Come to church. Do not forsake the gathering together of believers. You know? All right. keep getting off. Um, so he shared that verse, and I'm sitting in the service as a young man who'd really never experienced God. I really never had. I had been manipulated by emotional sermons. Um, looking back on it, I see all this because it produced no change in my life before. But here's a man. Only um, he did he shared that scripture. It, the, when you share the word, stuff happens. You don't have to yell it. You don't have to stand on a pre. Uh, you can stand on the corner and yell if you want, but you don't have to. You can just share it in conversation. You can share it with somebody at church. You can share it as the Lord leads you. But when you share it, stuff happens. It really does. You don't have to tell it in a funny way or a sad way. You just share it as the Lord moves on you to share it. And the power in the Word is the power to change. And He shared that Word and because he was obedient in sharing that word, the Holy Spirit was on it, and He came on me, and He spoke to me, and He said, "You're not the wait." He said, "He said I'm not the Lord of your life. You're the Lord of your life, and your dad is a Lord in your life." That's all He said. But I knew it was true. I was either doing what I wanted to do or what my dad wanted me to do. Mostly what my dad wanted me to do, but it was still my decision. You know, I was letting him. And I'm not saying you can't be encouraged by your parents. You you should be encouraged, but not controlled to the point where they decide what you do with your life. Because you were born for his name's sake, not for theirs. You were born for His kingdom, not for theirs. You love them and honor them, but not above God. Not above His will, not above His way. Because they can't save a hair on your head. There's only one man who can save you. And uh, I went down, stood at the front, and this is when Eric saw me walk down. That's what had happened prior to Eric seeing me walk down. And he didn't know that happened. He just saw me walk down and I stood at the front and, and the guy said, Don was because it was a good crowd. He's like, I hope ten of you, that the number? He said, I hope ten of you are still serving Jesus this time next year. That's a pretty bold statement in Once Saved, Always Saved Church. Because basically what he was saying is Once Saved, Always Saved, and True. And, um, I just remember praying, and and another thing he, he hit on was counting the cost. That's another thing I had never done. Nobody had ever done with me, was having me count the cost. And so I had to be willing, not that you have to, but you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to stay saved and to finish the race. Um, because a lot of people begin the race, a lot. And I have seen them. They start off, and they really are in love with Jesus. They're on fire. They're doing great. You know, they're entering into His presence and worship. It's awesome. And then something gets in. Usually something little and petty. But it overtakes them. And they wind up worse off in the end than they did at the beginning. Um... And so I had to to really take this thing seriously and I said, you know, I decided that I would do it, no matter what it costs. And um, after that, my life changed. I I wanted to read this Word. I wanted to do what it said. I I fell in love with Jesus. I wasn't spirit-filled yet, but I wanted everything He had. And um and not too long after, you know, Eric got saved, and so we, we began to run the race together. And I'm so thankful for Eric and Matt and the other guys who love Jesus because you find great encouragement from the zeal of others. It holds you accountable almost, you know. You don't want to slack off when these when the people are running next to you doing great. You want to stay up there with them, you know? And so you, you call it, you get together and you Read the Word and, you know, that's all we did. That's right. And that's what kept us going the way we were supposed to go. Uh, Questioning things, you know. Uh, I remember Eric having all these questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I really, I, I just loved Jesus and I was just reading the Word, but he didn't really deal with me that way that he was dealing with Eric as far as the baptism. Um, but it was good because I was around him as God was dealing with him, and so I was a part of that. That's why it's good to be around zealous, you know because God will deal with you, and as he's dealing with you, it can affect those who are with you, or God can deal with somebody else, and as he's dealing with them, you learn what they're learning, and we need all those perspectives, we need all those pictures about God. And so, you know, after that, when Pirro and I got close, because we were were (laughs) pretty much the only ones on the football team that loved Jesus, so we just hung out, and during breaks, we'd look up at the sky and talk about how awesome God was, and, you know, He just consumes you. When you fall in love with somebody, it consumes you. Just like it does in the natural. You, You just, all you want to do is call your new girlfriend, or... Uh, your new guy friend or whatever, and you talk on the phone for how long? Hours. How many of you ever talked to God for hours? You know, uh, and you break plans with other people to go be with this person, and I mean, nothing can hold you back. You just fall in love with them, you know, and that's the way it's supposed to be with Jesus. But we some, somehow, I don't know what it is. We kind of make it different, you know. We kind of put him in a different category. Well, that's God, you know. I'll act one way towards him, but this is my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my husband or my wife, you know. That's different.
1: <laughs>
0: well, the Lord knows how to get your attention. That's all I'll say about that. Um, so, where am I? Okay, so Piro and I got close, and so that was in the spring. A couple months later, you know, we're—I think we're in two days, maybe. But Piro hears about this, you know, wild man who loves Jesus, and says, "We got to go." You know, we got to go. He he fasts all the time, and you know, there's all kinds of reports about him. <laughs> you you oh, see. <Yeah>. Uh, but uh, so one day after practice, I went with Matt uh, to the Shire. It was a house. God has spoken to Buzz and about starting this meeting, and it was going to reach all the way around the world. And uh, and he said, "Open your house to young people." And so here we are, two young men coming to this pe- this meeting. And we get in there. I didn't know anybody really. And uh, except Matt, and I remember seeing Buzz up on the in front of everybody, holding a guitar, getting ready to start, and uh, and then we just started worshiping. And that's one thing that did happen uh, when I got saved. I worshipped Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when you fall in love with somebody, you worship them in a way. I mean, whether it be a man or, or God. And uh, I, something that I really learned very quickly that he loved. And in high school, I lifted my hands. We all did. How can you not? And uh, you know, it wasn't the popular thing. But I was learning. In order to be pleasing, you're not going to be popular. But you will affect those around you. You will plant the seed of God that you can that can give birth to life and uh and so we we began to worship and i knew how already you know i with all my heart we were worshiping and uh everybody in there worship like that and god loves hungry worshipers he he i mean his presence i felt it like i never did before and this is still all new to me i mean i worship god but i never felt his presence like this and i just felt this peace and this love and uh, I could not stop crying and um and so we we worshiped and I remember it was he was just strumming the guitar and it was very peaceful and very you know the spirit was in the room and he said, Now God put something you know, if the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart to share, you need to share it with us. Because he's trying to encourage the body. And so if you feel like you just got to share something, you know, you share it. You know, and about that time, mm-hmm. you know, that word dropped in my heart. I had, this was all new. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just loving Jesus. And my heart was pure. And this I got this word, and my heart started beating real fast. And I just felt like I had to share it. And so I just spoke out, and I don't even remember what I said. But but I didn't realize, you know, that right there I was filled with God's Spirit and prophesied. I didn't speak in other tongues, but I prophesied. That's what came out. And um, I still thought I wasn't spirit filled for the longest time because I didn't speak in other tongues. But everybody else thought I was. I just I didn't, you know, because I hadn't spoken in other tongues yet. But I looking back on it, I realized what happened. He filled me, and I prophesied because uh, everything just got grew. Intensity grew. My love for Jesus grew, and um, it, was, it was awesome. So I began to go go to that. And there's kind of something brewing though in my family, you know, because I began to go to these meetings and on Thursday nights and. Their son's kind of changing. He's reading the Bible all the time, you know, and they didn't really, it wasn't really bad, you know. And I and my dad was drinking a lot, and so usually when I go to the meetings, he wasn't there because he'd be out drinking. Then I'd come home, and um, but then one day, about a year later, oh, and I was dating a girl at the time. Uh, she was a good Baptist girl. And we had been dating for a year and a half or two years maybe. And so she was kind of going through this with me. And um, But I hadn't spoken in tongues yet, so still there's not much problem. <laughs> Something about tongues, I'm telling you. Um, and so a year later, we were in a Parkview Baptist gym, having a Parkview Baptist church retreat. We were on the last day, it was a Sunday, closing the retreat, and we were worshiping. And while I was worshiping, uh, I just had my hands lifted, and I just... I just began to speak in other tongues, kind of about that loud. The music was blaring, though. So nobody, nobody really heard me. But I got really excited. And it wasn't this... You know slam dunking the spirit thing it was just finally the Lord kind of turned on the light he's like my spirit's in you speak out you know and I I really I was full of faith and I just I did because I believed you know but I had to do it you know he didn't reach down and you know jiggle my lips and move my tongue (laughs) I, I did it you know and um I got so excited. Right afterwards, I told my girlfriend, Lee, you know, I spoke other tongues. You know, and really her heart was very soft. You know, she took it. Really? You know, she wanted to know about it. and She had come with me to uh, some of the meetings that Buzz was leading. And several times she said she wanted me to pray for her, you know, to get it. But something always happened. And we wound up in conflict. uh, Every time. And um, and so after that things everything started changing. Like everything started to kind of intensify. We were fighting a lot, usually about spiritual things. Uh, Lee and I. And um, so one day I said, "You know, we we really don't even know if it's God's will for us to be together, because I got saved while I was dating her." And, you know, she loved Jesus, so you'd think, everything's good to go, you know. We're plugging along. We had some issues with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but probably could be worked out or whatever. But one day we were driving in the car in the middle of, like, fighting about something. And I was like, you know, we don't even know if it's God's will for us to be together. And um, I said, we need to take a week apart and pray and see. And she agreed to it, and so that might have been like on a Sunday, like Monday, or a Monday even. Well, Monday night, I I was kneeling by my bed. I can remember it. I, I think I had all the lights out, and I started praying. You know, Lord, what do you what do you want me to do? You know, what's your will for me and this girl? And um, not too long after I started praying, he said, You will not marry her. And again, he owned me now. Just like he owns you. And so, you need to inquire of him. Because we can make our own decisions, we can do what we want to do. But we need to inquire of the Lord. How many of the kings did that? We need to inquire of the Lord first before we go to war. You know, we need to know if that's what He wants us to do. Because if it is, it doesn't matter if we have two men, we're going. You know? But if He did not want us to go to war, it doesn't matter if we outnumber Him by uh, 500,000 people, don't go. Because He can whoop you. (laughs) You know? Um, So, please, in everything... Especially in big decisions, life-changing decisions, your life is too short to play around. There's too much at stake. There's too many people that you need to reach for you to play around with God's will and not inquire of Him because you want to do what you want to do. He said, you will not marry her. I was on a Monday, and being the brilliant man that I was, you know, I was going to wait and tell her on the beach when I went to Florida with her family yeah, that'd have been really good, <laughs> but God in His mercy worked it out differently. <laughs> and so on Wednesday we talk on the phone, and she's like,
1: "Oh yeah, my mom's teaching me how to cook, and I just want to be a good wife and all this stuff."
0: And I'm like, "Just make it a little easier for me, you know."
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, but I over these couple days I had resolved in my heart that you know that's what I'm. I mean I was going to obey God. Because I knew it would be the best thing for her, for me, for everybody. And so she finishes telling me all that God's doing. And and uh, she's like, and has God told you anything? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, actually he has. Uh, he told me that I would not marry you. Silence. What? You know, I mean, I totally just crushed her. I mean, she wasn't expecting it. I hate. I mean, it's, I hated it. You know, I hated having to do that. Nobody likes to do that, and it was very hard, very hard. But I knew I had to. And um, anyway, we finished talking, and uh, I had to go eat dinner. I was at my house, and so I walk in the room. I mean, I walk in the uh, kitchen. And they can tell something's up, my parents can, and because uh, we had been dating like two and a half years at the time, and we were you know we were very serious and we loved each other and all that, and talked about had talked about marriage in the past, and um, so I sit down at the table, and they're like, "You know, son, what's wrong? why are you look so down and um uh, I just lost it like I just broke down sobbing at the table. (laughs) I can can remember being right there. And I I said, "Uh,
1: God told me I would not marry (laughs) Lee."
0: As I'm crying, you know. And they're like, you know, what's happening? What? You know. Oh, our son's gone off the deep end. You know. And, uh, so I just, you know, it was a rough meal. I don't think I ate much. And uh, so after that, obviously her mom hated me and her dad, you know. Well, her dad I don't think still does. I think her still, her mom still does. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I broke her baby's heart. So it was rough. It was real awkward rough after that. And then she calls one day to talk to me. Lee does. My dad answers the phone. And he's like, Lee, you know, what happened? this came out of nowhere you know <laughs> why why what happened well uh it all he it all changed after he spoke in other tongues and you know told him the stuff that happened to me. well, you might as well have just told him that the worst thing in the world you know that was like the worst thing in the world that could have happened to me, and uh. And after that, you know, I got home that afternoon or whatever, he was waiting on me and um, because his son had just gotten into a cult and um, was going to be drinking poison and handling snakes before too long, and he had to save his son. You know, that's that's his mindset because he grew up, you know, and that's what he would see or that's what the media would show him, you know, those tongue talkers in the Kentucky Hills handling snakes and drinking poison, you know. (laughs) that really was his mindset and so he earnestly sought to save me because he thought I was going to wind up in a cult isolated, you know, and be destroyed. So, you know, and I saw that early on and so I could have mercy for him and a lot of grace, but, you know, he... and, And then the war began. You know, here was the one of the biggest idols in my life before I was a Christian. The biggest. And we're going toe-to-toe now. And, you know, Jesus is over here and my dad's over here and I'm in the valley of decision. Which way am I going to go? Don't Don't think the Lord won't test you. Deuteronomy 8, the Lord led them into the desert to test them, to find out what was in their heart. He will test you. Because He wants to know what's in you. And if you prove faithful, get ready. Because he'll, he'll take you farther than you ever thought you could go. But if you do not, get ready because it's about to get really rough. Because you know, <laughs> He loves you. And He wants to bring you to the the most beautiful of all lands. Don't forget that. And um, He just really tore into me. And I really didn't say much through all of the verbal lashings and criticisms and cuts and he had a sharp tongue and uh i would just if i said anything i would tell him scripture very calmly very you know just humbly tell him scripture that's all you know or whatever the lord laid on my heart to say and uh otherwise i wouldn't say much just i just stood You know that scripture? When you've done all you can do to stand, then stand. That's all I was doing. I was just standing. And uh, (laughs) this is funny. I I remember he wanted to put all my plaques and stuff on the wall and display my trophies. But being in Jesus, I was like, it just detested me. It was detestable to me. I could care less about what I had done Really, and I uh, and I was trying my best to be humble, you know, and but he he was very very adamant about it, so I let him put them up, and uh, <laughs> I just made this big had the, I got these I taped a bunch of pieces of paper together and put in big like bubble letters uh, to God be the glory, and I pointed an arrow down to all my fla- all my blacks. You love that, but uh, you know in everything, the Holy Spirit will lead you he will, but i was in a just I was in a press, and he was pressing me and and he will do that to you. He will press you, and what's coming out when you pressed, do you cuss, get mad, throw fits, or when you're pressed? Do you lift your eyes to Jesus and call on Him and cry out to Him? What comes out of you when you're pressed? It's a sign of where you are and a sign of where you need to be. And so we went through a lot of—I mean, a lot of turmoil through this, but it eventually got to the point where I had to make a decision. And I remember that day. Um, I came home for something. And my dad was very confrontational and he was like so you got a choice cuz you know we there'd been more arguing or more attacking and he's like what are you going to do you can either uh quit going to the church you're going to which was king's harvest or you can get out of my house and um <laughs>
1: I just want you to have mercy on my dad. (laughs) I just want him to know you like I do. Please have mercy on him. (laughs) I love him so much and I want him to know you.
0: I just want him to know You, to be saved from his sins, and to know the power of You, Jesus. I want my family to walk in Your glory and in obedience to You, Jesus. And I pray for them right now that You have mercy on them and that You reach them, Lord. Reach them, Lord, whatever it takes whatever You have to bring them through, I pray, Lord God, that You would reach them with Your love and that they would respond to You with obedience. And uh, so I said, I I know God has me at this church and I'm not leaving.
1: (laughs) And He said, well, get your stuff and get out. (laughs) Am I... Mom was crying and
0: I went back and got on my clothes and I called Eric and I said, Come get me
1: And uh
0: on the way out of the door I just turned around and looked at him and said, I love you. And and I left. Ah uh, Anyway, the last thing I'll speak about is football. I, I was playing at LSU, I was an invited walk on and uh and um it was good and we uh I played for like two year, two and a half years and uh, after about two years we were at the uh, Independence Bowl and I never got to play, but it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And um uh, uh we were there and I felt like the Lord was saying your time is short. You know how much time was LSU left. And uh and I had gotten to share some stuff with coach DiNardo about Jesus and that was neat. It was it was good. And uh we kind of developed a bond through it. And then after that, it was a few more months, and we started spring training, and we were a little bit, we were about, you know, midway through, and I was on my way back to the dorm, and the Lord said, "It's time," and so the next morning, I woke up early, before class, and went to Coach Leonardo's office, and uh, I said, "You know, the Lord told me it's time to quit." And he said, "What? You know,
1: why did He tell you that?"
0: And uh, it was a good conversation. Just a great uh, little seed, I think, got planted there. And so I went to all my coaches and told them that I was leaving. And and then the last person I had to tell was my dad. And after he kicked me out, um, weeks and weeks went by, but we kind of got to where we might talk a little bit. And kind of, we just had nothing in common. You know, we served two different gods. He served himself, and I served Jesus. And all we could talk about was the weather and sports. That's it. And uh, and so I drove up after school in the afternoon, and he was outside doing something. And he wasn't. He was just acting, kind of. You know. She just wanted to be very nice. I said, I got I gotta tell you something, Dad. Um, the Lord told me to quit football today. And he was like, No, he didn't. Yeah he did. No he didn't. He didn't tell you that. I think, like, yeah he did. And he just got irate about it. And we walk inside the house and I sit down and I'm our little poodle, uh pee-pee. And uh, somebody called, and I remember him saying, you know, i got to go. My idiot son just quit football. And he hung up, and he walked around the chair, and he looked back at me, and he's like, you just destroyed the last link we had. You know, get out. That's all we had in common, and that was broken. And so I left, and uh, anyway... Lordship is a big deal. He can do whatever He wants with you. Or, he can, or you can, cannot let Him do anything with you. It's your choice. But you will give an account. You will give an account. And the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The only thing that you will be credited when you stand before Jesus Christ, the only thing that He will... Give to you or show to you is is what you've done in faith, motivated by love, so let's pray, Jesus, you are a mighty God, and you are the Lord, you are the Lord, whether somebody declares you Lord or not, you are Lord, and Lord Jesus, we declare that today you are Lord. You are the Lord of this church. You are the Lord of our lives, Jesus. And I pray that every day we would choose to serve You as our Lord. And I pray that every day we would seek Your face and do Your will. That that the lost may be saved. That the hurting may be healed. That our families may come to know You, Jesus. That our, our children will see You in us. Oh, Lord God, preserve Your name in our children. Preserve Your name in our children, Lord God, and may they grow up to be mighty men and women of God who have seen our example of You being our Lord and have taken it seriously as well, Jesus. I thank You for Eric Stevens. Lord, I thank You for my brother. I thank You that he loves me. I thank You, Lord God, that we have the bond that we have. Jesus, I'm so blessed and so humbled by His His love for You. It spurs me on, Lord God. It makes me want to do better. Grow closer and uh, just be obedient. Jesus, I thank You, Lord God, for this pastor, for this man of God that You've raised up to lead Your sheep. And I pray, Lord God, that You would continue to reveal Your Word to him, continue to give him wisdom. Lord God, that's what Solomon prayed. That's all he wanted was the wisdom to lead Israel. And I pray that You fill this man with the wisdom that he needs to lead life-changing ministries and for it to grow and prosper. And Lord God shake this nation and shake this world for you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing here. We we just put it in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh. Uh,
2: can you all hear that? Yeah. Jim, would you get Micah and, and the kids? You know, uh when you hear testimony like that and truthfully that's just a small part of it. The man's lived a lot of years since then. I want you to see what God's done for him when you see his wife and babies come up here. Any step you take for Jesus, and they're always hard, it always requires you to crucify yourself. Walk down a road narrower than your ego will fit Mm down. He comes through for you a hundred times. Come on up here. A hundred times over. And uh, did you notice how systematically God removed the idols from Brad's life? It's funny, people have said that I was the bold one, and uh, God sends Brad to talk to the head football coach of LSU about not only Brad's future, but the coach's future, and both turn out to be true. Has him stand up in a church of 3,000 people and prophesy, and they don't prophesy in that church. Uh, one of the things I've admired always is that gut-wrenching ability that he has, just being who he is. Uh Wade came and he preached about sincere, no wax. There's no wax in this family, and and I love that. Uh, the hardest things in my walk were to be in men's prayer meetings, and I'm probably dreaming about some great thing that I thought God should do for me. And Brad would be praying, Lord, I'm willing to be crushed that you would be glorified. You know.
1: Yeah.
2: But this really is the secret to success in the kingdom. It's never success in the world's eyes. In every area, it's a step down in the world's eyes. But you remember, like Hillel said, our humiliation is our exaltation. This is the goal. And can you hear elements in what we preach that come from his life? He had been obedient to one father all of his life. And he took that and applied it to his new heavenly father. Brad taught me what it was to master sin. And ironically, uh, I saw his walk as the holiest I I had known. (laughs) And he saw his as the worst he had known because he was familiar with it. So I learned what mercy was. Uh, He learned about the baptism, the Holy Ghost, and some of those things from other influences. But we grew because we learned from each other. And God added to his families. And those families grew and those things. It works the same way in your life. That's why I say study the Word when you're together. Teach each other. Spend time around each other. It's why when we go move somebody or we're cutting down trees or something, first question in my mouth is, what are you reading? This is how, if you think about, if you go back and listen to this message, time you'll hear all of our major doctrines in it. And it's not because somebody gave us 14 doctrines to learn. We learn from each other's lives in that way. And you'll do the very same things. And it'll grow and this will roll on through the generations. But uh, y'all want to pray for them again? The man who first uh, laid his hands on us and prayed for us to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost had a prophecy that profoundly shaped and affected his life called the obedient will be blessed. And we were kind of weaned on that story. Uh, My sister has a saying, her and her husband with their kids, slow obedience is no obedience. Don't just do what the Lord tells you to do. Do it immediately. Run to the chariot. Amen. Let's pray. Isn't that little haze cute? That's amazing. I've got to tell you one more thing. He told you about how difficult it was to break up with Lee, right? God was raising up for him a missionary's daughter in Germany. And her mommy and daddy were praying over her every night about a husband. And God only knows why he had him hanging around with me at the time. But somehow or another, he got to us both. And look at the family and the fruit. And it starts with obedience. Parents praying for their children and children being obedient to God. And that's where it all starts. Amen. And we'll see it again. You know, I remember when Michael was still wearing a little nightgown and had braces and running around our house. And, and now when I see Madison, that's what I see. And you know what? Uh, there's going to be a generation where they'll be standing up here singing and preaching, and it, it keeps going. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Amen. I really am going to pray. We're going to go eat at the Vietnamese Noodle House if you want to eat down there. They they like the business. We like the food. And <laughs> it
1: all works.
2: Yeah, it's mutually edifying. <laughs> Holy God, Lord, I thank you for the liveless. Yes. Lord, I pray that your oil would drip down upon them, your anointing like the oils on Aaron's beard. That it would fall from Brad onto Micah, and from Micah onto Madison, and from Madison to Lincoln, and from Lincoln to Hayes. And that this family would swim in your blessings all the days of their life. We lift up the entire Lively clan. Lord God, I call out Joe and Marie right now. In the name of Jesus, we speak life into their lives. Holy One, we pray for the softening of the soil, that the root of the gospel would flourish there. Mighty One, I thank You for the good things that they've done in their lives. I thank You for the good things that they've contributed. I thank You for the tremise, Lord God. I pray that You would encourage them in their steps of faith that they're taking. Lord God, that You would give Buzz and the Rain the strength that they had when they were in their 20s. And Mighty God, they'd retain the wisdom that You've given them and that Your will would be with great effect in their life. In the name of Jesus' life-changing ministries, says, Amen. Amen. Let's eat. I'm hungry.